Do you want to get cognitive dissonance streamed to your iPhone or BlackBerry? If so, download Stitcher free today at Stitcher.com. I made a list of things that I might consider sins if the concept of sin were valid. Number one, credulity, gullibility. Um, I'd say that's a sin. Voluntary willful, willful ignorance. I'd say that's a sin. Letting fear prevent you from understanding reality. I'd, I'd call that a sin. Limiting the rights and freedoms of others in order to make them abide by your standards. That's a sin. Sacrificing the mental, emotional, and physical well-being of a child in deference to your religion. That's a sin. Wasting the one and only life that you know you're going to have worrying about and working for an afterlife that somebody told you might be there, that's a sin. And it's a shame that so many people are so sucked into this religious thing that even when you lead them down the path step by step, as soon as they get to the point where they'd have to admit that yes, when I think about it, that is an immoral thing, they instead have to add 20 qualifiers and buts and maybes to their answer just like you did. Your God isn't real. He's not moral. The Bible isn't moral. Islam isn't moral. None of these religious systems, anything that, that deteriorates the value of human beings, anything that hangs on to Bronze Age ideals about genocide and slavery and murder and deference to, to higher powers, none of those things are moral. We've graduated beyond that, and I'm sorry that we've had to drag religions kicking and screaming in the 21st century, but some of you got to let this stuff go. Be advised that this show is not for children, the faint of heart, or the easily offended. The explicit tag is there for a reason. This is Cognitive Dissonance. Every episode, we blast anyone who gets in our way. We bring critical thinking, skepticism, and irreverence to any topic that makes the news, makes it big, or makes us mad. It's skeptical, it's political, and there is no welcome mat. For this episode, we have a special guest. We have Matt Dillahunty from the Atheist Experience on our show. Uh, we we were uh, fortunate enough to find him uh, bound and gagged in a closet, and so the only way we agreed to free him was uh, to get him on this show. So, Matt, welcome to Cognitive Dissonance, you sucker you. Well, I feel kind of duped because you just said there's no welcome, Matt, and then you said welcome, Matt. I'm, a, I'm an enormous liar. That's, that's probably the first thing <laughs> to, uh, to learn about this. So, Matt, uh, we want to go over this story? Editorial. Poorly written article from News 24. <laughs> Breaking news first. Um, this is definitely a, a, an editorial written by a fool. Um, this is a challenge to atheists, part two. I'll admit I didn't read the challenge to atheists, part one. After having read part two, I realized part one would be every bit as dim-witted as part two was. Uh, Matt, did you get an opportunity to take a look at this article? I'm sorry to say that I did. Yeah. It's, uh, it's horrifyingly <laughs> poorly written. The thrust of the article is basically that uh, as atheists, um, we don't have anything in our lives um, to satisfy our spiritual needs. 
that while our material needs may be met, maybe, they grants that in the article, maybe they're met, our spiritual needs are unsatisfied, and so we are left with this sort of uh, vacancy in our lives. Uh, what are your thoughts? This is kind of like kindergarten theology. <laughs> it's, first of all, I'm okay with not having my spiritual needs met until somebody actually demonstrates that I actually have spiritual needs. I don't even know what the hell that is. I don't either. But but I, I, love the, I love what he does because it's so typical of these... There's a handful, there's a number of different types of apologists that you'll find out and around on the net. Um, Some of them are uh, extremely arrogant and condescending like a William Lane Craig, or uh, some of them are are kind of well-spoken or thoughtful, and I've met some that I've had good conversations with. And then there's the bozos who want to want to claim first of all this entire post is nothing but pascal's wager added to you have a god-shaped hole in your heart right and he even attempts to kind of preemptively dismiss any valid responses by claiming that oh atheists will just deny this void in their lives if i said that christian morality is inferior and deficient but that christians will vigorously deny this that's a really vague form of poisoning the well where I'm implying that they're just not credible so that you don't take it seriously when they object. And that's what kind of what he's doing. So, you know, the fair argument would be for me to say that Christianity is inferior and deficient uh, in morals and then to actually demonstrate, which, by the way, I'm happy to do at another time. It seems impossible with all the uh, all, all the news that you, you only hear about the Christians doing good work these days. You know, it's uh, they've done some great work in North Carolina recently, making sure that uh, that homosexuals can't enjoy a life together. And they're saving us all from the gays. They are. They are. I'm saved from the. You know, the nice thing is that my marriage was in trouble. You know, up until I don't live in North Carolina, but you know, I don't think it matters. My marriage was was in trouble by the existence of gay people loving one another. So they've saved me from that uh, that that eternal damnation and and difficulty. Have sex with ducks. Yeah, I'm, I'm having sex with a duck right now. Actually, if you yeah. hear a soft quacking, you know what's going on. It doesn't last much longer with the duck as as it does with a woman, so it won't interrupt the interview at all. <laughs> yeah, really, it's over quickly. Uh, you know, I read this and I I I have to say it it sounds very similar to some of the arguments that are made on on your show frequently, which is, but don't you just wish it was true? Don't you just wish it was – you hear that sort of uh, begging, pleading sort of nonsense all the time that, uh, you know, you've got to feel some kind of deficiency. You've got to feel somehow incomplete because, you know, I do and so you do. And I've universalized my experiences outward toward everybody. And uh, and you look at this and you think, well, of course you do. You were told your whole life that you were deficient that you're imperfect, that you're a bad human being, that you're not good at being good. And so, of course, you feel that way. And, of course, you feel that the only cure for the disease that you have is the, the, the cure that we're selling. And you, you read this article, and it just feels like more of the same bullshit. Yeah, not only do I not wish it was true, I'm with I'm with Hitchens that I think it'd be an, an absolutely terrible proposition if it were true. The, the fact of the matter is that virtually everyone is going to wonder about ultimate meaning, and virtually everyone is going to experience doubts or feel lonely or dissatisfied. But religions, particularly Christianity, exploit those concerns uh, and actually begin to make them worse. They take normal concerns, exaggerate them, uh, make the issues worse than they are in order to offer a cure. 
And because the problems aren't real, the fake cure that they offer seems to work pretty well. And religions like Christianity effectively poison people and then offer to give them the antidote. And so when he's asking, you know, what does atheism offer that's true and beneficial? And by atheism, I'm going to substitute a rational, skeptical, secular worldview because atheism itself is nothing but the rejection of God claims. But what it offers that is value, that is a value, is a way to identify that the poison that they're offering doesn't actually exist. I don't have a God-shaped hole in my heart. I don't experience an emptiness, a gap, or a void. I'm awake. I'm happy. I was a Christian for more than 25 years, so I can speak to this issue from both sides. I am without a doubt a better, more complete, more satisfied, more moral person than I ever was or could have been as a Christian. And I'm, I'm just legitimately sorry to see people whose minds have been poisoned to the extent that I think his name's Richard. Richard says uh, he's bought into the this snake oil so fully that he's on the attack against anybody who dares to point out that the patient was never sick in the first fucking place. <laughs> what, what 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 I'm struck by too is that he doesn't mention one thing. He doesn't mention is the downside, which is the fear. Uh, I was a Christian too, and there's a lot of fear of hell. There's a there's a you know that's the tool that they use to make you do the things they want you to do is to make you fear hell and you know it, it, maybe if you, if you if you had this god shaped hole in your heart you have this god shaped uh, place in your in your mind where you you definitely need to be uh, have this fear imposed on you constantly because I remember that I was terrified of the rapture I was terrified of hell growing up and now that I'm free of that I feel great yeah I, I'm with you you know one of the one of the things that I find so ironic is that the cure that they offer is the real poison because. <laughs> the cure that they offer <clears throat> winds up blinding people to injustice. It skew, skews their moral compass, uh, forces them to sacrifice their humanity for piety, and it makes the world a more muted and muddled mess than the recognition that you didn't need all this. You didn't, you know, the, the, this exploitation of, of humanity. And this really is about, you know, who we are. We're social creatures, and so everybody's going to feel lonely at some point. And instead of saying, hey, you know what? Um, we're all going to feel lonely at some point. Here's some ways for you to actually deal with that. And here's for ways to, for you to get out and socialize and, and do things or, or find ways to be happy with what you've got. They instead find that little pinhole of loneliness and they go and they stick a couple fists in there and they rip it and spread it way, way open until it, it resembles this God patch that they want to put on it. It's basically a, they're fisting you with God is basically what they're doing. They are fisting yeah. you with God most definitely. <laughs> But then you have to tithe, so you have to pay them for the privilege of the fisting. Well, so. Fisting doesn't <laughs> cheap. <laughs> not not everybody's eager, you know, to, yeah. to get involved in that sort of uh, fun. When you're on your show and you get a call like this, are you just sitting there, like uh, like you know, like looking at that lob pitch coming in, ready to hit it out of the park, just being like, okay, here it comes down the pipe, boom? Am I still on a show? <laughs> I. <laughs> I've actually been gone so much for the last month or so yeah. that I got back uh, Sunday. We had the elections for the board, and I was expecting to go do the TV show afterwards, and I think I'd even told people that I was going to be on. And then I found out that it wasn't my week to be on. That it, it was Russell's. <laughs> but, yeah, when, when stuff like that comes in, it's a mix for me because there are a lot of people who are fans of the show who are just waiting around for the really mindless pablum like this article to come in on the phone so that I beat up on some Christian. Uh, I, I'm not going to deny that I on occasion have enjoyed that. It's not, 
Uh, I don't look at it as an opportunity to beat up on a person so much as to beat up on ridiculous ideas. Right, right. right it's a really bad idea. Yeah, there's, there's sometimes, you know, it's not so much that I'm ready to hit it out of the park. You know, oh, they're lobbing me a neat, nice, easy one. Oh, I can't wait to watch this one fly, especially when you've hit that same one over and over again. It's like <laughs> it's the home run know, derby. I'm fucking 43. How long am I going to play T-ball? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So if you're uh, if you have found us uh, and are here because Matt Delahunty's on the show uh, and you want to listen to more of him, we're going to put him on at the end where we do a quick interview with him. Uh, you're going to have to wade through uh, you know 45 or so minutes of us, but you know you're going to be at home because we're angry atheists too. So you're going to be you know it's like a fucking blanket you can wrap yourself around in and just feel the love you know or hate or I don't know I mean I guess it's more hate than love but but you know it's like a blanket regardless the metaphor still works. Cecil, I'm going to put you on hold if you don't stop talking. I'm going to put you on hold <laughs> if you don't stop. You're on hold. I'm on hold. You're going to boot <laughs> me from this show. If you're involved in the gay and lesbian lifestyle. It's bondage. It is personal bondage, personal despair, and personal enslavement. And that's why this is so dangerous. It's a very sad life. It's part of Satan, I think, to say that this is gay. It's anything but gay. So, Cecil, we can't not talk about uh, North Carolina this week. We just can't. Can't not talk about it. North Carolina passed Amendment 1. The First Amendment. If you're going to have an Amendment 1, you got to make sure it's a terrible, <laughs> right, awful fucking right. amendment for evil fucks. And uh, North Carolina did. They passed same-sex marriage ban in North Carolina, rendering themselves intellectually bankrupt and morally dishonest. Way to go. I'm glad that they've they've sort of self-selected out of uh, rational society in the United States. You know, if, if, if Florida is America's wang... Then I think I think North Carolina is like the pubic region right above it. You know, it's just that sort of nasty, smelly pubic region, and that really does fit sort of North Carolina. Look, I it's think. it's America's taint. <laughs> no, the taint would you be know? underneath. I think we've got to we've really got to think about you know the actual anatomy of this, and it's really just sort of the nasty, gritty, smelly pubic region of America. Taint worth going to though. You know, taint worth living That's there. For damn sure. Get your money. Get your fucking bags packed. Get Get your kids, get the fuck out of North Carolina, make sure every business you have closes down, shop there, and just fucking leave it a barren fucking wasteland. <laughs> make it look like fucking zombie land after it's done. You know, it's funny because I saw uh, earlier this week, I did see a, uh, a map, and it showed all the districts within North Carolina and how they I voted this. for Amendment 1. This. And if it had a university in it, it voted against <laughs> Amendment 1. right. Right. And there's a fair number of universities in North Carolina, which is baffling because they're clearly an uneducated populace. But it's uh, <laughs> terrible. It's fucking awful. But if it had a university Man. in it, it voted against this hateful fucking bigoted amendment. Um, if it did not, I mean, it was a fucking one-to-one relationship, man. You know, and that just goes to show that really the more you're exposed to conflicting ideas and different viewpoints of the world – the more you very readily will realize, like, hey, bigotry is probably not a great idea. Yeah. Bigotry doesn't bring people together. And really, you know, when you're in college, you don't care who's sucking a dick, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to sign a waiver when you go into college. You actually sign the waiver that you do not give a rat's ass who's sucking it. That's just 
fucking ridiculous. You know, and this is the same week that Obama came out and yeah. declared his sort of equivocal personal support for gay marriage. Why didn't he do this when he was, you know, I, stop trying to fucking get elected. I'm glad to see he's doing it during an election cycle. But, you know, maybe he should have done this a while ago. Maybe he should have said, you know, I mean, if you believe this, it's not like he fucking changed his mind over the last three years. It's not like he's been like, oh, because he even came out and said during the debates, I remember this. They asked him about gay marriage during the debates with McCain. And he was like, oh, I believe in civil unions. And he really kind of danced around it. But he I remember him saying that he was not for gay marriage. And now it's a totally different tune. And you're like, dude. You should have fucking, as soon as you got fucking elected, it's not like they're going to fucking kick you out the moment they're like, oh, it was just for the gays. Throw his fucking dumbass out. Yeah, I actually, I'm, I'm happy that he did it, but I'm, I'm honestly a little baffled. I don't know that this is good for him electorally. Um, it's a hot button issue, and, you know, usually these guys ride the middle and, and equivocate when it comes to uh, issues like this unless they're uh, issues that motivate the base. Right, the right. Democratic base was never going to vote for Romney, so there was never any any uh, need for him to motivate his base the way there is for Romney in order to get the vote out. And so I'm a little confused politically as to why he would do this, unless he felt genuinely moved, um, perhaps by the events in North Carolina, or perhaps he just by wanted to he just wanted to separate himself as far as he could from North Carolina, Who doesn't? like everyone else should right now. South Carolina is trying to break yeah. away. <laughs> South Carolina is pointing at them, being like, "Look at those conservatives over there." <laughs> That's just fucking ridiculous. I, I am, you know, I was a little dis, disheartened by the uh, the language that Obama used when he because he didn't come out and say like, "I think we should have a policy." He's like, "Yeah, my personal." Feeling is this. Yeah, yeah. You know? And I was like, well, great. You're the president. Nobody gives a flying fuck what your personal feeling is. Yeah. I don't care about your feelings at all. Right. At all. I don't care I don't about care. my wife's feelings. <laughs> I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what. If your feelings make policy, then we're talking. Bro. Right. You know? Right. And that's the thing is when when – you know, people say they're religious. I don't give a fuck as long as it doesn't influence your policy. Exactly. You know, as long as you're not, as long as you're not fucking doing like North Carolina. And one of the things in this article, Tom, one of the people they said, or one of the people they interviewed, rather, um, at the very beginning of the article, they say, we're not anti-gay. We're pro-marriage. No, you're fucking bigots, man. That's not pro-marriage. Pro-marriage would mean everybody gets right. married. How does that work? That's pro-marriage. Pro well, I would like That's to like get married. Mm. Everybody gets a life. Yeah, right. Pro, you know, no, instead it's pro-marriage, meaning only certain people get a marriage. Right. That's actually anti-marriage. Right. No, it's exactly what it is. Isn't it? And everybody sees through it. I don't even know why there's this. You know, like bullshit smoke screen. Like the smoke is fucking see through. Right. You're you're not motivating anybody who's not religious. I've yeah, exactly. The, 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 let me interrupt yeah. real quick, Tom, because it says right after that it says, and the point I'm quoting d directly from the CNN article. By the way, it says they're quoting her, so I'm actually reading what she said. And the point, the whole point, is simply that you don't rewrite, uh, you don't rewrite the nature of God's design. For marriage based on the demands of a group of adults. You fucking – suddenly God is available for us to fucking, you know, question on this and suddenly God's fucking – God's choice is relevant to the people of this of this country that, 
you know, aren't religious or believe, you know, don't believe that that's what God really thinks or uh, or that are Muslim or that are Hindu or whatever the fuck, you know, suddenly it's only the Christians get to fucking choose who gets married. Listen, as a persecuted minority that the Christians claim yeah, they are, kidding, right? they, uh, you know, I mean, they clearly have to do these things. They'll crawl up on that cross whenever they get the no opportunity. Shit, right? That's for Just sure. like, oh, look at it. I'm a martyr. I'm a martyr. Yeah. Help, I'm being repressed. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking assholes. One of the primary reasons is that it is over for America is because women are taking over. Women are taking over. They're in high, so-called powerful positions. And now they're running companies. They're making decisions. And not all, not all, not all. Let me say not all. So that, because see that running, running, give me a funny face now. When I said not all, she's like, yeah, thank you. But um, not all. There are some, a few out there that are logical women that can make sound decisions, but most cannot. So, Cecil, this next story is from thegossipian.com, which I fucking love, by the way. That's just terrible. Although I've seen this story just about everywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is a story about uh, Reverend Jesse Lee Peterson. Uh, he's founder and pros- president of the Brotherhood Organization of a New Destiny. Of a New Destiny, not for a new destiny. That's what he's the Brotherhood president of. Um, anyway, he's Sean Hannity's uh, friend. And uh, he's a terrible human being, which would explain why he's yes, Sean he Hannity's friend. Right, right. Yeah. Um, he said that uh, the worst mistake America has ever made was letting women vote. I doubt that half of America, <laughs> the half without a penis, right. would disagree. Would agree with that. The largest voting bloc, the largest, too, right? Well, yeah, they they clearly don't matter. This video, it go to this link, click on this video. There's 12 minutes long. I got about four and a half minutes in before I was just fucking screaming at my monitor <laughs> and shut it off. I could not listen to this guy anymore. First off, he talks like he's got a goddamn bag of shit in his mouth. You can't understand. He talks like he's fucking, what are you fucking stuffing Jolly Ranchers in your cheeks? I can't fucking understand you, mush mouth. So he's standing up there and he's and he's going on and he's fucking railing on women. And I guess there's some women in the audience because at one point, and he's like, I see her eyes. I don't mean all women. I just mean most women. <laughs> and you're like, are you fucking Yahoo serious? But one of the things that he says, and I want to talk about this, he says that women just cannot handle power like men right. handle power. <laughs> and, I, and I start thinking, I'm like, okay, well, how is it that we handle power differently? And the only thing that come to mind is the moment a guy gets any sort of power, the first thing that goes through his head is, how can I use this power to get me laid? Right. That's all <laughs> He thinks. That's all he thinks. He may think. He may think, Tom, how do I use this power to get some more money so then I can get laid? But the laid is definitely involved in the equation somewhere. It's an L subsect two. You know what I mean? Like it's in the equation. I am going to get laid somehow through my use of power. That's all that men think about. <laughs> That's uh, th- This guy... I, I love too when this guy is uh, is talking and he talks about the way that women esport themselves today, <laughs> not comport themselves today. Right. This is the same guy right. who is the um, sport, the president and founder of the Brotherhood Organization of a New Destiny, not for of a new, new destiny. Yeah, of a this new is destiny. a man whose facility with language needs a <laughs> fucking hug. 
This man is living proof that there are no standards for the title of reverend, right? <laughs> Nobody need to revere you, nor do you right. clearly need to have any oh, kind of educational God. minimums. There's no prerequisites for this guy, right? Women can't handle power? What are you talking about? I think Margaret Thatcher might disagree with you. Yeah, no kidding, right? Well, Hillary Rodham Clinton might fucking disagree with you. Condoleezza Rice may want to argue that point, sir. There's there's a, the, here's, need- here's the problem. It's not that women are in power. It's that women aren't in power. Right? There's the problem. <laughs> That's exactly fucking, it. It's like, you fucking troglodyte who can't even speak and or write. This uh, who would listen to this man? Who sit and listen to this man speak a words? That's crazy. Man. You're sitting there. This game. at some point listening to this fucking fool of a human being <laughs> spout off at the mouth his hateful, misogynist nonsense. At some point, wouldn't you just want to say, "Oh, this must." I'm getting fucking punked. I'd be looking yeah, under right, the organ right. for Ashton Kutcher. I'd be like, what the no, fuck? He's, he's wearing a mask, right? It's like fucking Ashton Kutcher fucking meets Scooby-Doo. <laughs> he pulls it off at the end. Like, seriously, it's fucking ridiculous. And how could you be a woman sitting in that audience? How could you be looking at this fucking goober up there, yammer on for a while and be like, yeah, this guy speaks to me. Right. This guy fucking insults you. Right. And you would think that somebody who comes from a minority would actually look on upon another minority, which is women, right? Because they're treated like a minority, whether they're not, they are or not. They're still treated like a minority. They, you would think that he would have some fucking sympathy for him. But instead, he just has fucking contempt. Well, this is the same Yahoo who said uh, he said something like how uh, young black folks need to go back to the plantation to learn how to work. Oh, my God. This guy is fucking. This is not oh a person my. to listen to. Like, that doesn't make any sense. We, Lord, we just ask to, to be covered with the blood of Jesus. Open hearts, Lord. Open hearts. So, see, so this next story is from Secular News Daily. Um Travesty in Tennessee, death by faith healing gets a misdemeanor. So we've covered uh, faith healing death stories in the past. Um, And it's nice because the the ones that we've covered recently have been in Oregon. And several of those, you know, that shit's a felony. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. In Tennessee, that shit's a fucking misdemeanor. How is neglecting your child and the only excuse that you give for that neglect is your imaginary sky friend. How is that now a misdemeanor? Would it be a misdemeanor if you shot him? And you're like, hey, whoa, wasn't me. God pulled the trigger. <laughs> what if Abraham had killed his son and nobody stayed his hand? Would it be a misdemeanor? Evidently a misdemeanor. Fucking A. because yeah, absolutely. You know, they, they treat, look, they're very hard on crime there. This is a misdemeanor. You know, you're, you know, not cutting your lawn. Those sort of things are right in the same exact, you know, you have more cars on your, on your driveway that aren't running. And, you know, come on, you know, in this state, that's happening a lot. That's a misdemeanor too. So, you know, they're really hard on the misdemeanors there. They, they make sure to give them a couple of months probation. Yeah. I mean, you know, because probation is way, you, you know, look, you just killed your fucking kid. Sure. We got to make sure we watch you for the next few months. Now we're not going to put you in a you know in a small room to make sure that you're you know you're not going to hurt anybody else. We're just going to let you run free. Probation is what we'll call it. You know, run free. It's cool. They got eleven months and twenty nine days of unsupervised 
because we don't want to make it onerous. What the hell does that even probation. mean? So basically, they let him go and said, go forth and sin no more. That's really what they did. Is they, they gave him a little slap on the wrist. Yeah, right. You know, what we should do for child neglect is, it, first of all, there should be no such thing as misdemeanor child neglect. Right. Child neglect, it doesn't even make sense for there to be a misdemeanor child really neglect. It doesn't. It really doesn't. And if you're convicted of, of child neglect, you should just be sterilized. <laughs> I don't know about now that one. Now you can't have but... any more children to neglect. <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far, I'm Tom. Going but, that far. Uh, <laughs> I'm ridiculous. <laughs> I don't think I believe that either, but still. Uh, but still, still. No, but, you know, look, if we're going to talk about ridiculous fucking punishments for, for you know, neglecting your child, that's just as ridiculous as giving somebody 11 months worth of probation right. for the same crime. Look, here's the thing. You don't feed your kid. DCFS, if they come in time, will take your kid away. Um, you don't house your kid properly, the same thing happens. Uh, you have too many, you're a fucking animal hoarder, and the fucking cats are shitting on your kid all day. <laughs> they're gonna take. They're gonna take your, your kid away. Kid. They're gonna take your kid away. But and you the know, cats you also fucking, take the cats. And the cats. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And they're gonna probably take more care with the cats than they will with the kid. But that's just you know that's just the nature of the beast. But if you fucking don't treat your child's cancer or, you know, you treat it by pretending that there's a God and the kid dies, yeah. this is not a, the type of thing that DCFS shouldn't be swooping in on. Come on. They should be coming. They should be crawling right in there immediately. As soon as you as soon as somebody finds out your kid has cancer and you're fucking treating it with apple cider vinegar and or God, <laughs> then they need to come in and make sure you don't have a fucking kid anymore. Right. Right. I, 11 months of probation, you know, what does that mean? That means, oh, well, if you commit any crimes in the next 11 months, then you'll, then you'll get in real trouble. Look, she can only get pregnant and then have the kid. <laughs> She's only got like a one short month worth of time that she can neglect that she kid. Actually, I was going to say, she's got plenty of time to get pregnant, deliver, and neglect another a whole new person. <laughs> she can create a whole new person. To pray over rather than sure, provide so, medical care for. So then they can give her another 11 months right. and she's just in a cycle. This is, this, it's, it's lose, 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 <laughs> lose. It's like it's always been the little women that caught the vision of giving, beginning with Jesus himself, out of their private means. Some of you little precious ones have that little grocery money, some of that little money set aside. Assure tonight the blessings of God on your family by giving it to God and speaking that. Say it, God, this is for blessings on my family. So Cecil, this story, New York Times. We're hitting the big time when we hit New York Times. New York Times, Family Battle offers look inside lavish TV ministry. The image alone is worth clicking for. I love the image so oh much. Oh, my gosh. So uh, Trinity Broadcasting Network. Now, that's the same network that uh, Pat Robertson is actually working <laughs> from, I think. Is that correct? Yeah. Is that right, Trinity? I don't, I don't know. TBN? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think so. We'll say it. You know, maybe it's sure, not true, cares? but fuck it. We'll say it. Anyway, it's one of those nutter channels full of nuts. And uh, 
This is just, just absolutely insane. The prosperity gospel preached by Paul and Janice Crouch built a single station of the world's largest Christian network. Um, unbelievable wealth. I mean, the, the wealth that these yahoos have accumulated is like, it's the stuff of like Saudi princes. It is absolutely <laughs> insane. It's like Uday Hussein's Hussein wealth, you know? Right. Yeah. They have homes that they don't even stay at. They just stay at other homes. They have this enormous, lavish manor that nobody stays in except for the chauffeur most of the time. It's, it's just fucking insane. You look at the picture, and it's just, it, it doesn't even make sense. I had thought, and I'm no biblical scholar, but I had thought Jeebus had a few things to say about poverty and riches. Right. And he was not pro-riches. <laughs> I think I think your reading of the Bible seems accurate. It seems like it fits the rest of what everybody else thinks. The uh, the money that they have is just outrageous, and that all comes from these donations. This you know they have a, a network of that tells people you will be prosperous. It's that gospel of prosperity, right? It's that you you give us a little bit of money now, and you believe with all your heart. And you're going to be prosperous, but you got to, you know, you got to make that investment. They're all famous for saying this. They all make this connection between your donations to that church being an investment. It's not a donation. It's an investment for your future. It's an investment for your children's future. You're going to be fabulously wealthy off of this. And you would think that somebody who's going to give them money eventually would want to see some kind of fucking return. And they probably do in the sense that they count the hits and forget the misses. So they have a, you know, they, they got their income tax check back. Oh, we got a little more money than we thought. Or they got their income tax check and they got a less money than they thought, but they still got their income tax check. It, it's, th- this, is, this is fleecing of the poor. Exactly. You know, this is, this is the worst kind of treatment of the most vulnerable people. This is no different than get out of debt holy water in my opinion. No, it, no different. Right? No, it's no different at all. It's yeah. just, this is all just a Bernie Madoff-style Ponzi scheme. Absolutely. You yeah. know, except at, at the end of the day, it doesn't collapse because more people will just keep shitting money into the system. <laughs> they just keep shitting it into the system because they think, well, you know, the more money I shit, even if here, here's here's the, the way they get out of jail. Right. Is at the end of the day, even if it didn't work out for you, it was going to. But you died too early and your treasure is fucking in heaven. Right. Your treasure is always right. in heaven. Right. So sure. if my treasure is always in heaven, even if I don't get any treasure right now, it's all fine. It's all good because I get I get this, you know, I get to live in a fucking TBN style luxury mansion in heaven. I don't even know how prosperity would work in heaven. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, the thing about prosperity is, is so you can lord it over other people. <laughs> I mean, that's why you want to be prosperous. That and all men think it's going to get them laid. But, you know, they're not getting laid in heaven. Well, unless okay. if you're Muslim, you do, though, right? Well, like, okay, well, that's a different heaven. That's that's one floor down. But in the in the heaven, in the real heaven, Tom, you don't get laid, and you certainly don't get any extra money than the next guy. So great. Right. Everybody's that got sucks. a Mickey Mantle rookie card, right? You're just yeah. like, what the <laughs> that fuck? sucks. Nobody's you, – you, you know, look – my money makes me unique. <laughs> it lets me buy commercially produced products that yeah. only money can buy. And that tells me that I'm an individual. 
So we're going to take a break and give you all the information that you need to find us on Facebook. You can send us emails. You can find us uh, on Twitter, Google+. You can even call us up and leave us nasty, hate-filled invective on our Google Voice. We'll return in just a moment to spoil the rest of the show. You can email these assholes at dissonance.podcast at gmail.com. For more information on this or any other episode, visit the Cognitive Dissonance website, dissonancepod.com. Like our show on Facebook to join in the conversation. Just search for Cognitive Dissonance in Facebook or go to our website for the link. You can converse with us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at dissonance underscore pod. Help us out by retweeting and reposting our shows. You can call us and leave us a message at 740-74-DOUBT. That's 740-743-6828. Long distance rates apply. Your help is fucking greatly appreciated. So, Cecil, you sent me this story. (laughs) This is the saddest story today. And it makes me hate you. (laughs) Well, that and other things. Yeah, Yeah, that in a long, long long history. A line of things. If I I didn't need you to accomplish basic (laughs) tasks, I don't know. (laughs) I would have left you on the roadside years ago. (laughs) I can't handle my own life. (laughs) CNN.com. Is the tide turning against the killing of cursed infants in Ethiopia? Question mark. Well, I fucking hope that it is. I hope so, too. This is some Sparta-style bullshit. Um I mean, it is. It's like taking the kid it up totally to the side is, of the mountain dude. and like leaving him exposed for the it gods. Totally it's like is fucking awful. Um, this story is not safe for life. So if you no. do click on it, uh, beware. It's just it fucking hurts. Um, yeah. This is basically a story about uh, a bunch of superstitious fuckwits in Ethiopia, who, when babies are born and what have you, and they have any kind of abnormality whatsoever. The example given in the very first paragraph is when the top teeth come in before the bottom teeth. Shut the fuck up. The child is killed because it is cursed. Curses, of course, not being real. This is infanticide. And awful. The top teeth coming in before the bottom teeth is how you kill your kids. Could you get out of the fucking Stone Age, please? No. Could you seriously... Get the fuck out of the Stone Age. Just because they write on maps there be monsters here doesn't mean there's monsters there. (laughs) Dumb motherfuckers. What is wrong with people that would – you know, I understand that, you know, maybe you're indoctrinated into this culture. But somebody's got to wake up eventually. Just be like, you're going to kill my baby, my child, because one set of teeth came in before the the, the other set of teeth? I mean that's the most ridiculous thing ever. I want to read – The tribe's leaders, I'm reading directly from the CNN article, the tribe's leaders were less certain of what they should do about the boy's twin brother, who had died of sickness shortly after birth. So the the baby with the two front teeth that are coming in the wrong spot, they're worried about what happened, what happened with the baby's brother, who's already dead. So what they did was they dug up the corpse, bound it to the living boy, paddled the canoe into the center of the river, and threw them both into the murky brown water. I suspect they weren't hoping that the dead baby was a bobber. <laughs> I, I don't think that's that's what they were hoping. You know, you make it sound bad, but they did do a, a, an investigation of a goat's intestine before they came to this decision. So it's not like it was just some rash right, sure. one-off they, decision. They consulted right. you know, the powers they, that be. 
They took a look at a goat's intestine. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, I cannot even imagine a mother who goes through the fucking rigors and pains and challenges of childbirth with all the dangers that are inherent therein, when, especially when giving birth in a fucking rural village in Ethiopia. And you go through all that, and they place that baby on your chest, and you're like, oh, he's so cool, I really like him. And then you nurse this baby for a while, because the teeth don't come in for no, a while. No, you, you gotta be fucking attached to it before right. you kill it, right? So so you love the thing, and you take care of it, and you, 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 you hold it when it cries, and it is your fucking flesh and blood, but then the top teeth came in, so fuck it, you're gonna tie it to a corpse and throw it in a river. Oh because the God. goat intestines told you so. Oh my gosh. I can't get there from here. You know, and I understand, because I'm, I'm going to head this off at the pass. I understand that these are a, a, a rural people in Ethiopia, that they don't have all of the benefits of, you know, uh, Western science and, and Western culture and education and what have you. And I know that I'm going to get lambasted for not being sympathetic enough to that. But for fuck's sake, this is the problem with superstition. Right. This is why this is why you have to care about superstitious mumbo jumbo like curses and religiosity because they are all bound up together. Right. They're all part of the same I believe in witches, I believe in curses, I believe that magic can tell me something important about how to live my life. And and don't give me this bullshit about how rural tribal people shouldn't know better. I mean, come on, North Carolina. <laughs> are a rural tribal people. <laughs> In the name of Jesus, we speak that. So from the Huffington Post religious, Archbishop Anton Antonio Manini, Pope's representative, calls for Christians, Jews, Muslims to <laughs> unite, not to fight poverty. No. Not for the equality of women. No. Not for the protection of the whales. Right. Not to stop the clubbing of fur seals. Whales. I love this protection. They would, they would unite over that. Right. You know? But it's to unite against gay marriage. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, it's gay marriage. Yeah. Yeah, if you're going to join forces with the people that, that you have historically persecuted and have persecuted you <laughs> and, and have that you fucking warred <laughs> against for hundreds of years, if you're finally going to have one issue right. which unites us all in a fucking kumbaya of hate, <laughs> it's got to be the gay marriage. I think so. When I was a kid, there was a cartoon called Justice League America. I don't know if you saw this, but it was uh, it was all the DC comic guys, yes, and they would all come together and be like superpowers for you know for the good. And then there was the bad group called the Legion of Doom, and the Legion of Doom is sort of what I equate this to. Like they've all got together, they threw up their they threw up their you know their their sign into the sky that's like a you know a homosexual with a line through it. And they're like, okay, we've got the bat signal up. Now let's figure out, you know, and then all of them sort of fly in. They sort of swoop in in their costumes. I think you've got, an, you know, you got a few different, a few different 
uh, superheroes you can you can choose from when you have all these different religions that come together. You can maybe have a priest called the Furious Groper. You know, the Furious Groper. That's spectacular. <laughs> well, you know, his sidekick I think has to be an altar boy. We'll just call him Little Timmy, and you don't want to know what his superpowers are. You I know, mean, his he, eyes are always downcast. Yeah. <laughs> he keeps it very just, hush hush. Very sad. Your sidekick seems sad. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you could have a Muslim, you know, I don't know what you, maybe just call him the Ayatollah. He's got big fucking swords for hands. He's lopping people's heads off and or hands. You know, you want to go, you want to be an equal opportunity lopper, I think. He's just got a big self-destruct button. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's good. You could have Mecca Juzilla. I think that's Mecca a good Juzilla. one. That's a good one, too. I just like the idea of them sort of joining forces, you know? Like, it's like, bigot powers activate. <laughs> right, bigot po- <laughs> Form yeah. of the Ten Commandments. Oh, shit, that doesn't say anything about gays. <laughs> I, You're fucked now. Yeah, but, but we, we don't all agree on those Ten Commandments, yeah. actually. <laughs> Well, can we just all agree on one of them? Yeah. Can we just all agree that we don't like gays because right. we feel like it's icky? Right. You know, excuse me while I have sex with a little boy. Yeah, I'm Because that's, that's not as icky. <laughs> I like that they don't unite against child sexual no, abuse. No, no, there's no, there's never any outcry there, right? It's unfucking believable. You're, you guys want to unite to be less tolerant of other people? That's, you are a terrible people. You're just terrible human beings. It's like the fire of their bigotry is what they sing kumbaya around, you know? <laughs> like, hey, you want to roast a marshmallow around this hate? It's very toasty. <laughs> it's very hot. And Cecil, another story that you sent me um, in a desire to just make me feel bad all the time. New York Times, ultra-Orthodox shun their own for reporting child sexual abuse. Uh, That kind of says it all. This is a terrible, terrible story about a fucking asshole who sexually abused a child. And when they reported him, the community shunned the parents. Going so far, and this was was a a mentally handicapped child. Like the weakest, fucking most vulnerable member of a community. Like stacking vulnerability <laughs> like fucking Jenga blocks. On top of that little hat. <laughs> Just stacking it right there. And and somebody actually had the nerve. A mother actually had to have the nerve to say, you know, hey, I've got a handicapped kid too who was raped by the same person. And I didn't report it. So why did you? Well, I don't know. Because some people love their kids. How does that fucking even come out of your mouth? How, do you, how does that come out of that fucking gaping fucking pit of death you call your mouth, you fucking idiot? You know, like, what is she going to say to him? Like, look, hey, hey, we got a pact here. We let them fuck our kids. They let us into heaven. Don't fuck this up for us, Ezekiel. Do not fuck this up for us. Like, what the fuck are you possibly going to say to this guy? We, and, you know, you are shunning the wrong people, you idiots. You're fucking, how are you harboring the fucking criminal? How are you saying we have to protect the rights of our elders in this community to fuck our kids? How do you even think that? Shouldn't you just be like, well, old boy gets the boot. He's out of here. You're out of our community. Right. To cut his fucking braids off, take his little tuxedo off, and send him down the fucking road. <laughs> he has to wear a baseball cap instead of the yeah. big circle hat. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, you know, that's the thing that, that I, I am always baffled by that. Wouldn't you think that you would say, whoa, 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 you're not upholding the standards of our community. Our community has high moral standards. Right. We we hold these things as, as uh, important truths in our life. And you're not doing a good job of upholding them. Right. You don't get to be a part of our community anymore. I don't have a problem with shunning. But like you said, you're shunning the wrong fucking people. It's fucking baffling. And it's not like I also understand this idea that like, okay, well, they want to keep it in house. You know, they want to they want to mete out their own justice. But it's not like they were meeting out their own justice because this guy had already fucked somebody else's kid. And it's not like the community took him out back behind the fucking schoolyard and beat the shit out of him and buried him in a shallow grave. No. No. They just hide the abuse. Well, that's not handling your shit in-house, people. That's called not handling your shit. That's called fucking dripping evil with every step. That's called free reign to fuck kids. Right. Enjoy your stay at the Hasidic community. Fucking all pedophiles. Awful goddamn human beings. Awful. Don't treat my fucking kid like an amusement park ride, asshole. (laughs) What the fuck is wrong with you? Seriously, you know, I have to imagine that most parents would agree that the the kindest revenge that most parents can imagine is to report somebody who abused your kid to the police. That's like the kindest thing that would go through your head. Right. Like, because the gonna... rest of it involves removal of genitalia. Right. The rest of it does involve taking somebody out behind the schoolyard and, and killing them, you know? And, that's, and obviously most people don't do that because we don't live in a fucking vigilante society. But doing nothing is basically telling your children, hey— you're not an important part of my life. Look, you're, you're not important. as important as my God. Yeah, you're important. You're just not as important as God, honey. So we're joined again by Matt Delahunty from from the Atheist Experience. He's also the president of the Atheist Community of Austin, Uh, and he's also the host of the internet radio show The Nonprofits. The Atheist Experience, as well as being a podcast, is also an Austin public access television cable show. Uh, It's also available on the internet. You can watch it live. If that's not enough, he's also the founder and contributor of the Counter Apologetics Encyclopedia Iron Chariots and its subsidiary sites. Welcome back, Matt. You obviously said, you know, earlier in the show, you said that you were a Christian for 25 years. Um, did you have a deconversion process? You know, it, yes, I guess. Um, it was a really lengthy process for me. I, I was actually studying with the hopes of becoming a minister. I'd become kind of disillusioned with the tech industry and didn't want to get back into that, had always felt that, uh, you know, God wanted me to be a preacher. And there were people in my family who were convinced that I was running away from a calling to be a preacher. So I just kind of gave in and said, okay, God, you know, if you want me to be a preacher, you know, I'm, I'm over 30 now. Um, I got no other prospects. I'm, I'm ready to surrender. And at the time I had a roommate who was an atheist. And so we just never talked about religion. It was kind of an agreement where we're the best of friends. We lived together for, I don't know, 12, 13 years or so, um, like brothers. And it was, you know, I believed he didn't. And the agreement was, 
it doesn't matter, so we're not going to talk about it. But when you, as somebody who's raised as a Southern Baptist, decide to really rededicate your life and seriously go after this uh, this mission to be a minister, one of the first things that you do is... I don't want my best friend to burn forever in hell, which means I needed to study specifically what I needed to say to save my best friend. And so even though he and I didn't have any discussions about this, I went out to look at atheist sites. What is it that, you know, atheists are saying? What you know, I, I had no real experience with any of this. And it was a process. There wasn't a, a moment. Um, there were probably several moments, several kind of eye-opening eye things, uh, especially when I'd, you know, I'd read the Bible multiple times throughout my life, and I'd come across an atheist saying, oh, the Bible says, you know, such and such, or commenting on uh, the Elijah story or whatever. And I'd say, oh, that's not in the Bible, and it was. And th that's really eye-opening because we're taught, you know, or I was taught um, as a Christian that, you're reading the Bible with the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And now I've come to understand that with the guidance of the Holy Spirit is code for big old fucking blinders. <laughs> the obvious. You know, how many... I, I had a debate just a couple weeks ago um, with Jay Lucas, and it was supposed to be on Does God Exist? And Jay presented exactly one argument or exactly three-fourths of an argument because he never really put it in entirely an argument form. Um, and it was the moral argument. And, it, I, you know, my rebuttal summer at the beginning of it, this should be online pretty soon, was just, okay, Jay's argument is God has to exist. Otherwise, we don't live in the world that I want to live in. And it, that really is his moral argument. But, I mean, when, when I'm looking at, at, the, at the moral argument, and I, I challenge Jay on slavery because the Bible is crystal clear on slavery. And right, Jay comes right. back and says, no, the Bible doesn't advocate slavery. It regulates slavery. And I was like, well, oh. okay, I understand that it does that. But, you know, it does say that, you know, these who you can enslave, how much you can pay for them, the fact that you can beat them, that they become your property forever, and that you can pass them on to your kids. And then Jay was like, no, no, no. Um, you have to let him go after seven years. And that's when I realized that this guy I'm debating who has a BS in Bible, and I would say bachelor's in Bible, but BS Bible sounds <laughs> so much better, uh, didn't really know what he was talking about. And I almost felt bad for him. So that in the closing, I went up and said, you know, Jay's misrepresenting what's actually in the Bible. That passage about letting them go after six years or in their seventh year only applies if you're a Jew who has enslaved another Jew. Right, it doesn't count for 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 neighboring tribes at all, yeah. right? That, that and and more than that is, that. Uh, ironically, in the in the next couple of verses after it says, "Hey, if you enslave another Jew, you got to let them go after six years." It then gives you this magical loophole that, so that you can make a Jew your slave forever, and that is, you give them a wife, and when their time to go, you know, comes up, they have to leave, but you get to keep their wife. And so, they if they come to you and say, you know, no, I love my wife, I don't want to leave. Well, then you take them before the elders, you drive a spike through their ear, pierce their, pierce their ear, and they become your slave forever. I mean, it's like, oh, you got to, you we don't want you enslaving the Jews, so you got to let them go. But here's how you can get around it. <laughs> well, plus the idea that, that you, you could allow for conditional or short-term slavery, how is that less evil? I mean, it's just, it's evil, but just for a shorter period of time. It's not not evil, and it's not not, it, it's not, Moral, it wouldn't be moral 
we wouldn't pass a, a law that said, you know, now oh, you can have slaves again, but you can only have them for six years. You know, that doesn't mitigate the damage in any way. It's, it's an absurdity. The standard apologetic is that this is something about indentured servitude. The, the problem is, is that uh, the Bible specifically talks about indentured servitude in other places um, and in other ways. And you're, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, I don't care. People, you know, and the, the other objection, which Jay came up with as well, was, well, your your perception of slavery is colored by, you know, slavery in, in the U.S. as if, you know, we all saw roots and that's all we know about slavery. And if the Bible specifically says that they're my property forever and that I can beat them as long as they don't die within a couple of days, I don't think I'm, my perception's that colored. And moreover, I don't care. I don't care if you love your slaves and take them out to parties and buy them frilly things and, you know, you're just the nicest, coolest <laughs> massa ever. If you own another right. human being as property, limiting their freedom, that's fucking wrong. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's almost like you're more moral than the religious. How does that know. work? I, I, I think it's got something to do with reason and evidence and, and, and the fact that I'm no longer willing to sacrifice my humanity. But it, the question that you had originally asked was about my uh, my fall my falling away period or my epiphany to no longer be religious, uh, and it was a lot of stuff like that over the course of just less than two years before I I couldn't uh, call myself a Christian anymore and rapidly descended into or I'll say ascended uh, identifying as an atheist. <laughs> so when did you uh, so you do this TV show, The Atheist Experience, very. Uh, popular show among the atheist crowd. Uh, when did you start doing that show? The show's been on for 14 or 15 years. I've been on it for the last six or close to maybe seven now. I can't, I, I lose track. Uh, I called into a show, basically somebody at work knew that I was writing about atheism and that I'd been an atheist for a couple of years. And they said, hey, have you seen this TV show on public access? And I was like, no, you know, I don't have any interest in just listening to atheists. Why would I listen to people who are going to tell me stuff I already agree with? It just kind of seemed like a waste of time. And uh, it, it happened to be the case that Jeff D uh, lived in the same apartment complex that I did, and he had put a flyer up on the mailbox. So I went out to get the mail one Sunday because um, I was too lazy to get it Saturday. <laughs> And probably for the week before. <laughs> and I saw this flyer and I was like, oh, you know, I didn't get anything better to do. So I watched the show and it was really kind of intriguing because it's not just atheists sitting around, you know, preaching atheist ideas, whatever the hell that is to people. It, it's conversation. It's, it's a call, live call-in show. And I loved it. I ended up calling in either probably, I think three weeks later, I called in to ask a question. Um, and then ended up at dinner after the show and then was in the studio the next week, you know, screening calls and then worked behind the scenes for a little while. Uh, and then within a couple months, I guessed I did a guest spot on the show when uh, a week when Jeff did, couldn't make it. And it was like a couple months later, I'm the president of the organization. A couple months after that, I'm you know taking over the show and uh, the rest is history. I, I have to ask you. Uh, you get some some real bizarre folks that call into that show. I mean, some real fucking weird dudes. I was listening to a show the other day where a guy called up and 
And I think you guys called him out, but he, you know, he tried to pretend that he believed in a sun god. I, I don't know if you happen to recall the, the, the Yahoo that... Uh, I, I wasn't on that show. No, I've but I, I assume that you, you listened to... The, these callers are just... They're just goofballs. A lot of these callers that call... Not all of them, but a lot of the callers that call up are just fucking goofballs. And it seems to me like they, they, they're they calling up and they're trying to uh, convert you. They're trying to, to, to teach you something. You know, they have this idea that if only they can get it through to your head, that, that you're sitting there on the other end of the phone just waiting for somebody to come up with the, the magic answer. And here I am, the caller, and I've got the magic bullet for, for, for your atheism, and I'm going to convert this guy right over the show. And uh, I, I guess what, what occurs to me listening to it is how do you restrain yourself from jumping through the goddamn camera and strangling some of these dimwits? Well, I think the first thing is the, the laws of physics prevent me from doing that. That does make it tougher. Um, <laughs> also, I don't think that they're entirely wrong because um, I'm, I'm only interested in truth. And so if somebody actually had, you know, the argument and evidence that would convince me, then, you know, great, call in. I, I want to know, you know. But a lot of this, we've, we've dealt with a lot of callers lately who are clearly uh, prank callers or pose. I think the Sun God guy was like straight up quoting from carlin and somebody else and so you know the, he wasn't for real um there were people in the past uh that we had to actually ban from the show one guy was trying to tell me how to contact the spirit world by constructing a mirror um you know right down to the type of wood and screws and the fact that i needed to tie a rope around my waist and bring a friend with me so that i could hold the mirror under running water at a creek but that this would open up the spirit world and the rope was to have my friend you know, hold on tight so I didn't get sucked in through the mirror. And I'm just thinking, you know, I should just build the mirror small enough so that my girth can't quite fit through it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I realized that if we're talking about magic portals to another world, yeah, it might not make any difference. But yeah, there's been all kinds of, there's some sincere people who really, they're not just undereducated, they've been miseducated. Um, I had somebody email me today. There's a guy uh, who had called in, I think, from Australia, and his uh, his name may have been Dave, uh, who was just like over the top crazy. And we didn't talk. I haven't talked to him since that I'm aware of. But this guy continued having a conversation with him, and I think he ended it today because Dave, who is a a theist opposed to evolution and just doesn't understand it no matter how many times you explained it what he said to close the argument and i have it up in front of me now because my only response was wow was um people have been wearing clothes for thousands of years why haven't our bodies evolved natural clothes that come out of our skin <laughs> say that he did you have no response to that there was there's a oh i have a response it's laughing you see there's a clip of the show on youtube um that's like got hundreds of thousands of views where this guy calls up and he's like you know uh what wakes you up in the morning and then oh well you know like we've got a god alarm clock or something and all this and we're going through and we're explaining very very simple concepts and we're trying to be a, a, as simple as we can and he's like you know where do you get your energy from the energy that makes you move and you know i pointed out i think or maybe russell we were both on the show that ultimately that 
it comes from the sun. The sun provides energy to the planet, which, you know, <laughs> causes the plants to grow and we eat the plants. Well, first of all, I didn't get that far. As soon as I said ultimately it comes from the sun, he's like, well, then why don't we die when the sun goes down? And so I think Russell explained the, <laughs> the, the process by which oh the gosh. sun nourishes his plants and then we eat the plants and animals and we store this energy. And Russell made the mistake, although I don't think it should be considered a mistake on his part, of saying we store this energy like a battery. That was how he was going to explain why we don't die when the sun goes down. And this guy said, well, well if that's the case, then why don't I get electrocuted in the shower? What? Did, he, the, did this guy not understand that the sun doesn't go away when it goes down? The sun does, does it just voip out of existence for eight or nine hours while you're sleeping every night? That it that's not. Those aren't my favorite calls, though. I mean, I'm kind of a masochist. I when when Matt Slick called in and we had a 45 minute debate on the transcendental argument for the existence of God, um, I liked that because. I, I like the the deeper philosophical discussions. I like the sincere discussions that we've had with theists, Christians in particular, who will call in and actually have an honest discussion where they ask questions and we ask questions and they try to provide answers. Um, I don't like being the asshole who hangs up on people for arguing dishonestly, but I'll do it. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and this actually, I think... One of the things that people get down on a lot of atheists about, I know that we catch a lot of flack for this, is that people will say, like, you've got, if you have a, an attitude, some sort of attitude like uh, a confrontational attitude or an irreverent attitude, that it's not helping. You're not helping spread the cause of atheism. But I see that you don't take any bullshit on your show. If somebody's not going to answer the question, you're just as quick to knock them right off the air. Um, you know, you don't take a confrontational attitude, so to speak, but you certainly don't take any bullshit. And I, and I, I just feel like, I feel like y you, you certainly have a reach and you can reach people. And I've heard people call your show that are not playing the Poe and actually do have a moment where they're like, holy shit, what have I been thinking all these years? So I think you're reaching people. I don't think that that argument really holds any water. Yeah, it's it's strange. I've you know I've been doing this for a long time, and I constantly, you know, my inbox is always full. I'm, you know, even after archiving thousands of emails, I'm 315 behind again. I'm going to stay behind forever. I, I've given up on that. But we get, you know, I've had feedback from people. Pick a show and a particular call, and if it was anything that was not just dead ass boring and if there was any kind of back and forth, I will get email from people saying that that was the best call ever and the best job I've ever done. And Oh my God, you were so patient. I don't know how you could be that patient. And I will also get email from people saying that that was the worst call ever. And I was a complete asshole. Now I gave up a long time ago in any hope of trying to please everybody. And I'm my own worst critic after the show's over. I leave and on the drive to dinner, I'm replaying every call in my head saying, Oh, you should say this. Oh, why didn't you say that? Or yeah. Oh, you need to remember that because the way you said that might actually be good. You know, that happens a little less often than the, than the criticism. But when, when I'm on the show and taking calls, I try to be fair. I try to make sure that people are getting about as good as they're giving. If they're willing to have an honest discussion, I kept people on for 40 minutes, you know, back when we were doing a 90-minute show. 
there's several 40-minute calls where I left, let them go because I thought the conversation, conversation was productive. I didn't think I was going to change their mind or they were going to change mine, but we were making points that might benefit somebody else. And that's who I'm doing the show for is somebody else. I'm not, not the person that I'm talking to. I mean, we had Ray Comfort on. I don't think for a minute I'm going to change his mind, although I did get him to admit that he doesn't agree with everything in the Bible, which I thought, and that Russell and I are delusional or, or stupid. Uh, which I thought was a win for both. <laughs> that guy, I, that guy's a great rhetorician, though. I mean, really, he he just he has his stuff together, and he's a, he's a hard guy to debate. So I, I'm happy that you did well against him. Yeah, you know, I, for a while I wanted to actually, you know, have a formal public debate with him, but now that I've been doing more formal public debates, uh, race uh, who race beneath me. It's. I, you know, I, I hate saying that, but the fact of the matter is I've had enough discussions with him um, and everybody knows that, you know, he's just, he. it's not, I say he's incapable of being honest and honestly addressing the issues. Um, and that's not true in every case. And I don't think that he's lying. I think that his religious presuppositions keep him from addressing certain things. But on the subject of, of calls, I, I got a suggestion, email just the other day that said, um, uh, I think your attitude towards, attitude towards callers could be refined a bit further. You never insult Christianity or show anger or, ha- anger or hatred directly, which isn't true. Uh, so they clearly haven't watched enough shows. What, what gets me sometimes is the smirks and laughter while the caller is talking. I know some of their arguments are simply too ridiculous to keep a straight face, but such expressions degrade your image as a good show host and might make you come off as arrogant. And I thanked them for the feedback. Um, I didn't point out that I don't mind being considered arrogant on occasion because I think I am arrogant on occasion and condescending. And it's not something that, you know, I'm particularly proud of. But ridiculous ideas are, by definition, deserving of ridicule. That's why we gave it that label. And if I sit there stone-faced and serious, try to seriously ad- address a claim that shouldn't be taken seriously... I lose credibility. There's, you know, the example that I've used before is that some kids stop believing in Santa because they go out and investigate and discover the truth, and others stop believing because older kids on the bus made fun of them for believing. And I opt for a little bit of both. <laughs> educate, educate and treat people well, but ridicule the ideas. It's not the the person that I'm smirking or face palming over. It's what they're saying. Now, Sometimes I'll be in a, a, you know, I don't, I don't find myself in a lot of these debates. I normally don't, uh, don't talk to people uh, about their religion. It just never comes up for me. You know, I know that you put yourself in that situation a lot, so you get, you get into these conversations all the time. So a lot of people look to you for. Uh, uh, I'll see, I'll see a lot of callers will call you and they'll say. I've recently ran into this argument. Can you help me out with it? And I think that that's a great resource to sort of be able to turn to someone else who has uh, obviously has uh, a really great grasp on logic to help them uh, work through an argument. But one argument that always kind of stumps me, and, and maybe you can do a little coaching here. You can help me out with an argument. Uh, there's always the, right. the, the concept of uh, when people say, well, you know, you don't believe in you want evidence for God. Uh, without evidence for God, you're not going to believe. But what about love? Love is an intangible thing that we all seem to believe in. What, what about that? What about that? The love thing, uh, it, it's usually phrased a little different than, than I think you did, which was that you can't prove love, which actually, actually right. you can. Um, 
Because love is a label that we put on a, a wide variety of human actions. The it, it's not something that exists. Love is a like every other emotion, like you know every other thought. It's just a brain state. It is a chemical brain state, and within you know an EEG, you can actually go in and find out a little bit about what are people experiencing with love. It seems people are like, oh, this this diminishes it. You're turning everything into you know uh, chemicals and electrical interaction in the brain. But love is so much more than that. No, it's fucking not. It's not. <laughs> and 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 I can you know how do you know that your wife loves you? Well, I don't know. Maybe she's a psychopath who's really, really good at acting. <laughs> I don't I don't know in the for sure sense that, that these people want. But I know in any reasonable sense, and by the way, we, you know, we're kind of getting into the territory of what qualifies as, a, as knowledge. Um, and I don't, I think absolute certainty is a red herring outside of just a couple of things that I won't bore everybody by going into. And so all the things that I talk about that I know, you know, I know this, I know that. I know to a reasonable degree of certainty uh, that my wife loves me. I know that I love her. I don't know how much. I don't even know how to necessarily quantify it. But when I see a mother, you, we're so good at it that when we see a mother with a new baby, it's obvious. We are, we are watching an expression of love. It's detectable. It may even be, you know, I, mean, I would imagine that it's detectable by EEG, but we're putting a label on that. And it's it's one category of love, romantic love, love a parent has for their kid, the love that siblings have, the love you have for a friend. These things exist as brain states, but we put the labels on the actions and the activities. And it's the reason that we can look at some parent who's suffering from some mental disorder, who doesn't connect to their kid. So when, when their kid goes missing and they're on the news, there are people who can spot right away this person's deranged. They're not acting the way somebody would act if their kid was actually missing, and they're probably responsible for it. The fact that we can't quantify it, and we may be able to at some point, it doesn't matter. No, at a minimum... If you're saying, um, well, God is roughly the equivalent in in the you know the the space of epistemology to love, I got to call bullshit because I can point to love all over there and I can experience love and it's ubiquitous and everything else. This God thing that people claim is ubiquitous and experiential. I've followed the instructions that people have offered, guarantee that I would experience God and did not. So. Clearly, there's a flaw in their methodology. One of those two things is somewhat demonstrable, and the other one is not at all. Yeah, but Matt, I mean, you didn't open your heart. You know, I mean, you got to open your heart to, to to Jesus and all that nonsense, and then you'll experience <laughs> it. And then, you know, and then you'll experience that uh, that grand that, that you know that that hole in your in yourself that we were talking about earlier. That all atheists must, by definition, according to the nuts experience you know then that would be filled and you would be complete i mean and certainly you can you can understand that they you know i i want to I, I say that it's a good thing that um you guys are on my side and being funny there are few things that theists can say i mean i don't know if you've you've seen jeff d when somebody talks about the threat of hell and how he uh loses his shit but there are a few things that can piss me off faster. There's a handful of things. One, treat me like an idiot, and and you will suffer. Right. Um, the second one is to be so 
deluded. There's nothing more arrogant and condescending than somebody saying to me without knowing anything about me or who I was or what I actually went through that I didn't try hard enough. I don't know how hard other people tried. I don't know how much time they spent on their knees in prayer. I don't know how much time they spent pleading for some sort of information from God. But anybody who spent more time and did more than me, good for them. But when there's a fucking million pointless, stupid people who are running around claiming that they have had this experience and if only I'd open my heart after the shit that oh, I actually yeah. went through, fuck you. Any God who wants me to do more is not <laughs> worth even finding. Right. No kidding, man. Um, I, I was going to go back to, to something that you said about, uh, you know, how there are, there are certain theists who will make the argument that well, you know, atheism and, and the explanations, as soon as you start to give an explanation, you know, well, what about this? Well, you know, you can actually, you know, look at the, the chemical patterns in the brain and you can see how love works and you can see that stuff on an EEG and you can image that in a functional MRI scanner. And, you know, you start to come up with answers for these things. And it's like, well, then, then you come up to the, the argument, and I've heard it and I'm sure you've heard it many more times, that, you know, that's reductionist, that you're, that you're diminishing, and you, you touched on this briefly, that you're diminishing through reductionism. And uh, the, the first thing that occurs to me is like, well, it, you say diminishing, I'm saying explaining. It, it, we're, we're not reducing something's importance in our life by explaining how that thing works. My car is not less important to my daily activities because I understand that it uses an con internal combustion engine to get me from point A to point B rather than, you know, pixie dust and hope. So th that argument, just it, it's just a wish fulfillment, right? Well, it, the claim that someone is just being reductionist in their explanation, um, that that is actually much worse than anything that any of us who have in, you know engaged in some reductionism have done because like you pointed out um knowing what's going on in my brain even if i knew and understood it completely doesn't diminish in any way what i experience knowing that a flower is ultimately made up of specific you know chemicals and 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 atoms doesn't diminish how pretty it is or in my case how wilted and dying it is you know, if if that's what's happening, it, it, it's this is about they're trying to add something to the truth. And we're saying the truth alone is enough. It doesn't change. The garden doesn't become prettier because there's magical pixies that are that are, you know, going in and fertilizing it every night with their shit. <laughs> All right, so so Matt, it was wonderful having you on. Matt, you uh, you obviously have your uh, your hand in a few podcasts as well as uh, you know some people who have some podcasts. So could you tell our listeners where to find your show, The Atheist Experience, as well as the other podcasts? Absolutely. Um, you can watch The Atheist Experience live as it streams every Sunday from 4.30 to 5.30. You can go to atheist-experience.com for more information about that show. Uh, nonprofits is nonprofitsradio.com. That's P-R-O-P-H-E-T-S, uh, because we're punny guys. And we should be back live with the new nonprofits this coming Saturday, the whatever the hell date it is. But more importantly, because my wife is just generally awesome, there's the Godless Bitches podcast, which is also available. You can find all of this starting with the Atheist Community of Austin, which is atheist-community.org. Thanks so much for coming on, Matt. We really appreciate it. So, Tom, we got a few emails this time. Uh, we got one from Hannah. 
Uh, Hannah sends us an email with a uh, Tim Minchin. I think that's how you say his name. He's a he's a singer and a comedian from the UK. And there's a video that she attached uh, that was uh, Tim Minchin doing this zombie Jesus Woody Woody Allen zombie Jesus. It's like a it's a funny sort of. Uh, comic song that he wrote that's actually really great. I'm going to post it on this episode, so if you want to see it, um, you can go to uh, our site and click on the YouTube uh, link and watch the uh, watch the video, but it's pretty funny. And then she also um, she also likes some of the clips that we use in the show, which, you know, which is awesome. Because they're awesome clips. I mean, come on. Yeah. Of course she <laughs> Michelle Bachman's is awesome, man. <laughs> Michelle Bachman's is the best. My favorite is when she's like, you're a Jehovah God. Jehovah God. I love That's that. The That's best. the best one. <laughs> what is that? I don't know. You're a God. You're a Jehovah God. I just see her like raising her shoulders when she says Jehovah. So it's like, <laughs> Jehovah God, Jehovah God. Like I just, I don't know. Like that's how I envision it. So You know, she ran a nearly flawless campaign, <laughs> it turns out. <laughs> nearly flawless. Except for the not getting fucking elected. Yeah, right, right. That was that was really the only downfall of your campaign. Uh, we got a letter from Dennis, or shall I say, Denis from France, <laughs> <laughs> from France, who's a skeptard, uh, a self-proclaimed skeptard. Uh, I think you're our first uh, French listener, Denis. <laughs> <laughs> He's the listener du jour. <laughs> <laughs> You can tell we don't get out yeah, much. Yeah, really, really, we don't. We don't. Although I will say, uh, Dennis, that uh, I look on uh, iTunes France and I see zero fucking ratings. I'm not saying, Dennis. I'm just saying. And you know, I'd be a little careful because you know Cecil does go to France every couple yeah, every of years. Every couple of years, I make my way to Paris and I eat a fucking shit ton of baguettes and eclairs, and I have to roll me into the Seine and they just float down there like a fucking bobber. You got nothing to worry about from me. I'm not leaving the country anytime soon. They won't let him anymore. No, the North Carolinians love me too much, (laughs) turns out. So John sends us a message. John's from New Zealand uh, and talks in this email, Tom, about uh, the conversion. Sometimes people argue back and forth. Uh, There's an argument all the time between atheists and Christians, and they wind up converting people. And it's sometimes our attitudes can push people away. And as he says, you know, make them so that they don't want to. Uh, how do we get more people to our side, basically, is what he says. Yeah, I, I don't know that I'm really that interested in uh, gathering support or converting people to uh, – atheism isn't something you can convert to. You can't become a convert to a lack of belief in gods and goddesses. I don't think that that's, that's something that – I don't even think that's something you should be interested in doing. If people have a you know personally held belief um, – Fine, who gives a shit? It, it's not relevant, you know, as long as they're not, you know, throwing babies in the fucking pond and they're not, uh, you know, faith healing and, you know, voting against gays and, you know, just being generally awful fucking human beings, then uh, to, who gives a shit? Who cares? Yeah, and really, you know? when you're an atheist, you're not, I don't know that you're trying to convert people more so that you're just trying to say, I only accept evidence right. as a way in which to believe how my world works. You need to present evidence to show me counter how the world works if you think there is a God. If you can't produce this evidence, maybe you would be better served to be thinking the exact same thing that I am. But that doesn't necessarily mean I want to try to convert them. I just want them to see logic and evidence as its, as its own reward. Right. And, you know, how are you going to have 
an argument with somebody who doesn't value logic and use logic to get them there. Dave sends an email from the UK. You know, we've got all we got is nobody sends us emails from uh, from the United States anymore. By the way, Tom, they just we're blocked. They don't like us. We've been blocked. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's tough. So, uh, <laughs> so it's it's nice uh, it's nice to get an email from uh, from across the pond. And uh, in his email, he mentions Matt, who was just on our show. Bam, we're like fucking <laughs> psychics. <laughs> You know, he also he also asked if we despair of living in the United States uh, and asked if our politicians ever talk about real issues. Uh, yes and no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, we do despair. No, they and don't no, ever they talk, talk about, about. And you real know, when issues. They, when they do talk about real issues, that always gets fucking ground down in legislation so nothing happens. Right. That's our process. Yeah. That's the process. There it That's is. why we are fucked. So Dusty sends uh, sends an email, and I just want to read the last uh, last bit here. Enjoyed, I guess, enjoyed some of everyone's a critic, which is nice. Thanks for listening to some of those. Uh, found Thomas in the Bible. If Thomas is still listening, hi Thomas. Thomas was great to have on the show, and he's a very good. It's a very awesome. good podcast. So if you haven't listened to Thomas in the Bible yet, it's funny and clever, and the guy is hilarious. Um, but uh, at the end of the email, he says, "Anyway, been posting links occasionally on your Facebook page. Although you probably." Have uh, have seen or heard most of the stories. Keep the good work, Tom, and give Cecil the help with the tech side. <laughs> hey, Cecil, do you want my help with the tech side? Uh, only if I would want my computer to light on fire. <laughs> You've got to understand, uh, Dusty. I work in an industry that that uh, is afraid of technology. We are we are uh, afraid of change. You're still on like a Windows. 95 computer. We have most of our employees working Windows 98 and doing it poorly. <laughs> Windows 98. What is that? <laughs> what the fucking like what do you do on Windows 98? When when one of our computers breaks, we actually can't replace it with a new computer. We have to get old computers from companies that have gone out of business. <laughs> And wipe, I'm not even kidding, and fucking wipe their hard drives. Oh. Because if we install a computer that's 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 too new, it won't work with our fucking that's ancient system. Fucking awesome. So uh, you don't want, nobody wants my help with the text. <laughs> the, the only help you get is that I will copy and paste into Facebook. Computer was made in Babylon. <laughs> So we want to thank Matt from the Atheist Experience for coming on and uh, and really just having – I had a great time uh, talking to him. He's a real smart guy. And if you get a chance, come on over to the Atheist Experience and take a look. Um, they crushed us fucking underfoot this year on, the, on that Atheist.com poll. Um, in one day. In one, in one, in one day. fucking day, they crushed us underfoot. So maybe next year, hopefully Matt will do it early. Crush us early. Kill our hopes early, Matt, so we don't feel like we can maybe win it. Don't um, let me dream. Yeah, don't, <laughs> dreaming don't. only dreaming only makes it hurt worse. <laughs> but we want to thank Matt for coming on. Absolutely. Uh, Great guy. And as usual, we will finish and wrap up the show with the Skeptic's Creed. Credulity is not a virtue. It's fortune cookie cutter, mommy issue, hypno Babylon bullshit. Couched in scientician, double bubble, toil and trouble, pseudo quasi alternative, acupunctuating, pressurized, stereogram, pyramidal, free energy, healing, water, downward spiral, brain dead pan, sales pitch, late night info docutainment. 
Leo Pisces, Cancer Cures, Detox, Reflex, Foot Massage, Death and Towers, Tarot Cars, Psychic Healing, Crystal Balls, Bigfoot, Yeti, Aliens, Churches, Mosques and Synagogues, Temples, Dragons, Giant Worms, Atlantis, Dolphins, Truthers, Birthers, Witches, Wizards, Vaccine Nuts, Shaman Healers, Evangelists, Conspiracy, Doublespeak, Stigmata, Nonsense. Expose your signs. Thrust your hands, bloody, evidential, conclusive. Doubt even this. The opinions and views expressed in this show are that of the hosts only. Our poorly formed and expressed notions do not represent those of our wives, employers, friends, families, or of the local dairy council. <laughs>